found Gucci. Is that a thing? Is Gucci a thing? I mean, that's, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just said it. So with that, speaking of Gucci, Steve Litsu, if you want to come on up, man. Yeah. I just came back from Italy, so I'm just, that whole fashion thing. It's just right, it's in my brain right now. The, um, that's great. Nobody does fashion like engineers, that's right. Um, so I'm going I'm to turn it over to Steve here. He's going to talk. He's part two, number two talk. And um, I mean, is this the first talk? It's kind of the first, but kind of the yeah. third. Kind of, kind of, I mean, Brad is just like intro. So this is like. Well, yeah, that was, that was an Let's call it the third talk. exhortation. Okay, third talk. So he's, he's just continuing with our worship series. Um, the title of the talk is Elements of Worship. And so. Let's just pray, pray with our brother here real quick, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we just pray for Steve, um, that you would just pour out grace, pour out your spirit into him, um, that you would speak through him, Father, that we would be open to what, what you want to have to say to us about, about our worship, ways that we need to grow, ways that we need to be encouraged. Lord, we just thank you for him as a man. Ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Give a round of applause for Steve. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Alleluia. Come, let us sing, with, sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Let us approach him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. The Lord is God, the mighty God, the great king over all the gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the highest mountains as well. He made the sea, it belongs to him, the dry land too, for is formed by his hands. Come then, let us bow down and worship, bending the knee before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God and we are his people, the flocky shepherds. Today, listen to the voice of the Lord. Do not grow stubborn as your fathers did in the wilderness. Millions, tens of millions, potentially hundreds of millions of people, men and women, priests and sisters, deacons, Consecrated virgins, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, and likely Pope Francis himself began their prayer today with these words. This is the prayer of the universal church, the invitatory psalm, Psalm 95. Uh, and when you enter in to the liturgy of the hours, to the universal prayer of the church, we start here. I don't think it's accidental. I don't think it's a coincidence. And I don't think it's irrelevant. I think the church has placed this psalm at the start of our day for three reasons. The first is it reminds us of our purpose, our reason for being here. And that, there, that is that there is a God. He is God and he is worth worshiping. The Lord is God, the mighty God, the great king over all the gods. We hear in Psalm 95. For he is God, and we are his people, we hear later on. So I think the very first reason that the church puts this at the beginning of our day is because it reminds us that he is there, and it calls us to worship. Second, this psalm does not call me to sing to the Lord. It does not call you to bow before him. The phraseology through here is, let us. Sing, let us shout. 
let us approach, let us bow down, let us worship, even let us listen. Andrew talked to us at our gathering after Brad reminded us that we have a Lord, that he is worthy of worship, and it is our purpose to do that. Andrew reminded us that we do that together. We worship as God's people. We worship together. He had five points, and all of them began with that word, are. He talked about worship being our purpose, our sign, our weapon, our encounter, our invitation. He was talking to us about unity, unity that fosters good worship, and unity that is a fruit of good worship. The output of our worship is actually the input of our worship when we come together and worship uh, together. And I need to be careful here. I'm getting it in front of my speakers. Um, in which case, you would have an experience of resonance of this idea that the output becomes the input. In engineering, we have an excellent example of this, and I was going to bring the slide up, and I decided not to. But when you get home, look up on Google, Galloping Gertie, the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. You'll see in the words that Andrew had what a resonance of unity going into worship, fostering unity will do. It will disrupt uh, it will create disruption in our life, uh, and the Lord will do mighty things through that. So Psalm 95 talks to us about the Lord, about our invitation to worship Him as a people. But there's also a third component in there, and I believe Psalm 95 is actually instructive. It's actually telling us how to worship. It identifies in there a number of the elements that make up our worship, and that's what I'd like to talk about today. Now, if we take a step all the way back and, and have a holistic look at what worship is, there are some elements that define that. Um, we do not have time in 20 minutes or in an hour in 20 minutes or in a day in 20 minutes to mine to the depth of all of those. So of those five elements, I'm going to focus on one today, but I don't want to skip the other four without putting them in context real quickly. Those five elements, for those of you keeping track, are environment, leadership, truth, music, and spiritual gifts. It's spiritual gifts I want to spend some time on today, um, but again, these are foundational to what we do when we come to worship. And as was mentioned uh, while we were sharing words there, our worship here as a body flows out of the worship we do in our small groups, in our households, in our families. That worship actually flows out of the worship that I do when I come before the Lord every day. And so while the elements here that we talk about, and especially those first four, the environment, the leadership, truth, and music, uh, are necessary for how we gather together as a whole, uh, when we gather as a body, that's not something that we change day to day. I'm not going to pick a, a gathering spot different every time we get together. But those same elements do have an ability to impact the worship we do as families, as households, as individuals. So I want to just give a little bit of context for those first four, uh, and then we'll get into the meat of the talk. So I'm giving, uh, the first half of the talk is not the talk, and the second half of the talk is the talk, uh, but it all plays together here. So just kind of step through those really quick, and step through those with an encouragement to have a mind for these when we gather together, uh, and again, in our men's groups, in our women's groups, with our families. First of those four was environment. Environment fosters worship. Uh, we've been here for, I think this is our fourth gathering here at Our Lady of Good Counsel, and a lot of people said, wow, this is a nice space for worship. Why? 
Well, because there's an aspect of beauty a little bit different than a gym at St. John's. Uh, it's not accidental that some of the most beautiful edifices in Europe were the churches and the cathedrals there, okay? The environment that we have sets the stage for our work. We then uh, supplement that environment with aids and reminders. We're pretty good about this as Catholics, right? We worship with the crucifix. We say mass with the crucifix. We have crucifixes hanging in our homes, icons uh, hanging in our homes. Uh, but even going beyond that, we can do things to foster an environment. Uh, spent the last number of years in small group with the Credens and the Bowers, and it would not be uncommon for me in either of those locations at small group to see a candle burning next to that crucifix, right? So the environment sets the stage for what we're working with. Uh, beyond that, we want to make sure that we have an environment of order. That can be how it's arranged, or what I like to call the Betsy Schleter honorary curve when we set up chairs. Uh, setting up in, the, in, in that curve actually points us in the same direction. It aligns us to a same, the same goal. Uh, being free of clutter uh, just offers order. Incidentally, the talk outline actually talks about order and or punctuality and knowing that we're getting started on time. So we're working on that. Um, but knowing that, that when we get together, we're going to get started. So that's environment. This idea of, of the environment pointing us in a direction actually also points us to the, the element of leadership in our worship. Uh, as we enter into worship, and, and I'm going to lean heavily on you fathers here, as you enter into worship with your, your families, uh, as small group leaders, uh, as you lead your men's and women's groups, um, it's important for us to be focused together. We want to be going in the same direction, and that's the role of leadership. Uh, but not only to be pointing us in that direction, we can't just start the fire. We actually need to fan the flame. So we're going to look for direction through that um, and align ourselves in a direction and make sure we're all kind of going in that direction together. Because this is one of the things that's going to take my worship and make it our worship, is that we're pointed in the same direction. Uh, I like to often talk about my two small groups in, when we lived in St. Paul. I had my community small group. Uh, and my community small group was effective in living a life together because we had a, a goal, a direction. Uh, we were looking at the same thing, a pattern of life and a call. Uh, my other men's group was successful because we identified very early on that just getting together to share isn't going to be enough. We actually, not doing a book study, did have a book that we worked through. And it's not because we talked about the book, but it gave us a common direction. So rather than having intersecting paths, we were actually on a path together, and it gives us a place to be able to enter into worship. That direction is truly important, and we want to talk about going to truth. So number three here is truth. Uh, truth, uh, the good, the true, and the beautiful, we talk about a lot as Catholics. We see the good. The good is the worship of the Lord. We see that beauty as an environmental element leads us in that direction. One of those other elements is the truth. Uh, but with all that is truth and understanding truth and knowing truth, there are really only two truths that matter to us when we come to worship. And we've actually kind of already talked about them. God is God and worthy of worship, and God is present. So we want to make sure that as we come to worship, one of those elements is that we're expectant. We talk expectant faith. The Lord is going to be here. The Lord is going to show up. Uh, and that he is worthy of worship. All of this gets us to the final, the fourth element, uh, and halfway through the talk, the end of my introduction, uh, which is music. One of the things that sets the worship we do together as a covenant body, uh, as a community, uh, charismatically, is the idea of music. Um, 
Music is a means and not the end. Uh, and we pick songs that point us to the Lord, that focus on God and what he has done for us. Um, so we want to make sure that we do that. Now, one of the reasons that music, I think, is so crucial to our movement is because it connects us. It moves us. Take a quick moment and think of your favorite movie. And I would actually be really surprised with, in as you think about that, if you don't hear the soundtrack. Even in a visual society where we put things on a screen, uh, where we're doing slideshows, even TikTok comes with the soundtrack because that animates us, it moves us. So music is the fourth of those elements. All of these are crucial for us as we enter into worship, um, but they're not what we're going to spend our time this year talking about. So I want to take that fifth element, uh, this idea of spiritual gifts, and expand on it for just a few minutes here. First of all, before I get into that, I want to draw an ex uh, a distinction between what I'm going to talk about, charismatic expression, or the spiritual gifts, and expressive praise, which is certainly an aspect of our life. Uh, Ten years ago, we moved to Kansas City, and very early on in that, I found that it was hard to interact with people without them finding out that I was a transplant, which of course led to the question of, uh, why are you here? You moved down for a job. No. You moved down because you have family here. Uh, no, most decidedly not. Not then, I do now. Um, <clears throat> all of you. Uh, but I moved down to help build a Catholic Charismatic Covenant community. Huh? Yeah. Uh, but I had to start to put language to that. And early on, as I started to flesh that out, I went to this idea of expressive praise, right? And it is applicable. It is true. It is what we do. We talked about uh, some of that Friday. Uh, John referenced that again, right? We are going to raise our hands. We are going to clap our hands. The psalm even says we're going to bow. We're going to bend a knee before the Lord. Uh, but I would actually posit to you this morning uh, that these are actually very basic expressions as we enter into our charismatic worship and our response. I'm not saying they're not important, but they're actually things that we engaged very early on in coming to know of the movement. For me, that was on a net interview, was one of those places where I was ex uh, exposed to this idea, right? And we get the scripture verses, we sing, see David dancing, we see the clapping, right? But not even in training, it was in my interview weekend. I think the reason for this is that these elements uh, require an act of the will, and they set a foundation to prepare us for these five items that I'm going to talk about next that are the charismatic component. They take us from not only just expressive praise, uh, but into a full charismatic expression of our life and our time together. Okay, real quickly, there are five of them. Praise, tongues, singing in the spirit, inspired song, and word gifts. Uh, to begin, praise. Uh, praise is a spontaneous desire, a spontaneous want to worship the Lord, to sing his good, to sing of his glory, to praise. This spontaneous worship is actually, we see in Scripture, an outward sign of baptism of the Spirit. People encounter the Spirit, and they then want to tell of the Lord in that. Uh, more practically, it's something like going for tacos on Friday, having fantastic carnitas street tacos, and then having that come up in every conversation I've had in two days, hypothetically. Uh, that's at the Iron District. It's called Taco Tank, uh, or Tank Tacos. Tank Tacos, I think, and they're fantastic, right? But this experience of the Lord in the Spirit causes us to want to spontaneously praise and offer that. That praise of God would flow from our lips. Praise is normally uh, uh, loud, 
Um, at the very least, praise is allowed. Uh, it's not quiet in our hearts. So we talk about praise uh, as something that is done vocally. Okay? And this distinguishes us from a group of individuals gathering together for a, a doing, right? I'm going to come and worship the Lord, and sets us into a group of individuals gathering together to worship the Lord together. Uh, it's a, a common expression. It's a spiritual expression, uh, a scriptural expression of that. We see that. Uh, but it's also an encouragement. I challenge you to pick a, a Baptist church way down in the south, sit next to someone yelling, amen, preach it, and not be moved by that, right? You want to engage in that. Yes, amen, right? And so by vocalizing this, we are an encouragement to each other. Uh, second gift there is tongues. Tongues come to us in two forms. Uh, we talk about a prophetic tum, tongue. This is a gift that is usually meant to be uh, interpreted. Uh, it's directional or exhortative in its nature. Uh, so when this gift is offered, there's usually also a gift somewhere offered of interpretation. The second manner in which we see tongues is going to be as a prayer gift uh, to support the worship that we're doing, to support us as a body. The scriptures tell us that we do not know how to pray as we ought, and so the Spirit prays for us, and that's a portion of that gift of prayer when we talk about the tongues. Um, often flows from kind of our normal speech, uh, reciting a psalm, saying scripture, praising the Lord, um, but then moves into uh, this blend of inspiration and our will. And that's why I comment on those expressive praise actions. It's our willing to participate in that. We'll be talking more about that in December. Um, I didn't mention we'll talk praise in November. Now, if praising the Lord is good, and if tongues is a way in which we can bring praise to the Lord, and if one of the things that sets our worship apart is singing, if we start to blend all of those together, we get to our third element here, which is actually singing in the Spirit. Uh, this can often be an extension of praise or of tongues, uh, but it's usually done with some sort of rhythm or, or some sort of, of singing component. That could be a cappella, that could be rhythmically with a strumming guitar, that could be non-rhythmically. Uh, often one of the things that sets uh, singing in the spirit apart from kind of the praise or the tongues we're doing is the fact that we're going to engage it together. So it might actually be directed a little bit from up front. We might be following a music lead in that. Um, but it becomes a corporate manner in which we continue to draw uh, our focus to the Lord. Now, all of these three, uh, I think, are really there to draw a distinction between coming and singing songs and coming to worship. It's great to see, sing songs about the Lord. We do it all the time, uh, different places. But what sets our worship apart is we tie those songs together and continue to worship the Lord in between. And these are three of the ways that we do that. Two more here, and then I'll give the mic back to John. Uh, inspired song uh, is a, a little bit further extension of some of those other blendings that we have of the will and the inspiration. It's actually the Lord inspiring word in us uh, to sing that, um, again, prophetic or exhortive in nature, invitations. And it takes kind of the idea of word gifts that I'll talk about next and puts, again, that motivating power, that, that moving power of music behind that. Um, Andrew shared a little bit, uh, I think I think it was him where I heard this, uh, about this gentleman that came up and sang with, without much tone. Um, 
but the Lord can still use that. Uh, and there's actually something in that that resonates with us. If Kara were to come up and sing you a song, um, we would be pleased with her voice, right? And that's great, and that's a great gift that she shares. If I come up and sing you a song, uh, it's a, a moment that is it's going to, A, terrify you, but it's also going to set, set back that time, right? Um, so these gifts are, are worship gifts. They're not talents like we get other gifts. Um, but, but inspired song has the opportunity then to kind of get us to take a step back and to focus us again uh, to motivate and speak to us. Okay, a couple final here. Uh, the final element that we talk about here we'll get to in January is going to be word gifts. Uh, word gifts, um, the Lord has been working very very actively uh, as we've come out of COVID uh, in offering us word gifts, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, when we first got back from COVID, I was a little bit scared that we had forgotten. Uh, but word gifts come in two, to- uh, two manners. Uh, there is word gifts that are the Lord speaking to himself through us. So they're actually words of prayer, of praise. Uh, spiritual senses, this is, I think, one of the ways that the Lord has gifted us is a number of people, they get these spiritual senses, right, this idea, this vision. Uh, a lot of times we relate those back to something we can understand to the tangible. Um, inspired song probably actually falls in some of this where we're looking to praise the Lord. Uh, so the first of the word gifts is the Lord speaking to himself through us. The second of them is the Lord actually speaking to us through us. Uh, And we talk about those as prophetic words, as we're sharing here, where we're trying to hear the Lord, uh, either to, or or not either, both to and for the body. These sometimes come in first person or third person. Uh, So it's what I hear the Lord saying in the third person, right? The Lord is doing this. Um, Or often these are actually presented as the Lord speaking to us. Um, But they're there to give us the opportunity, going back to Psalm 95, right, to be able to listen, because that is a portion of our worship. The final component here, and I did not plant Therese, um, but the word of knowledge, uh, this, this idea that um, something's been revealed to the individual that's receiving the gift that they wouldn't necessarily know otherwise, right? Um, I don't know if your marriage is having a hard time necessarily, but the Lord could put that on my heart, that somebody here is having a a tough marriage, and that the Lord is the Lord of that marriage, right? Something like that where we can hear that and move on. So it's revealed to the receiver, and again, offered back to the body, either individually or for the body as a whole. Uh, In the end, these word gifts all serve the same purpose, and that's to build up the body. Okay. So that's kind of a, a high-level overview of a couple things. Um, those four elements of worship, again, that I invite us to bring into uh, all of the places where we worship. And we should be worshiping outside of this place uh, on a couple Sundays or Saturdays a month. Um, but to make sure that we're doing a little bit to invite, uh, to define our environment, uh, to get ready for that, add those reminders, uh, to make sure that we're entering into leadership. And that takes a little bit of planning. Uh, leadership. Uh, of going to your wife at 10 to 7 or 7 or 7.20 and saying, hey, would you like to play a few songs is probably not what we're looking for, right? So we need to have a mind for this to be thinking forward uh, that sets up our music, that sets up the truth that we're going to identify ourselves for and sends that out. So I want to offer that encouragement. Uh, So that's the first half there. The second half is to set us up moving into November and December and January. We're going to talk about those, those elements. We'll talk about praise. 
We'll talk about tongues and inspired songs, and then we'll get into the word gifts in January. Uh, so uh, I think that's probably it for that. Uh, we just end um, going back to the start, right? Come, let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Let us approach him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. Uh, and if we can live that uh, daily as we pray it, uh, as the church prays it, I think we will serve him well and glorify his name. Thank you. Um, thank you, Steve. That was just a great refresher, maybe a new explanation of the elements of our worship. You know, why, why do we do things? How do we do things um, here in our worship times? And so excited to continue to break those elements open here as we continue over the next few months. So thank you, Steve.